0: The Rock Pile Report
2: with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder Drew Gear.
0: Bills make me wanna jump.
2: Well they just informed Mario Williams that he has been released clearing a ton of Cap space more than $10 million for the disgruntled defensive end, who now becomes one of the hottest free agents uh, on the market, certainly uh, in a free agent pool without a lot of edge rushers. In the draft, without depth at edge rusher, Mario Williams all of a sudden puts himself in position to make a lot of money going forward. So that is one big domino for the Buffalo Bills and for Rex Ryan, who has tried to implement his scheme in Buffalo, only to find some resistance uh,
1: for the veterans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Rock Pile Report. I'm Drew Geard. It's Chris Kruger over here producing. And that was Ian Rapoport from NFL Network discussing the release of Mario Williams, just one of the many moves the Bills have made since we last got together. I my baby! Sorry, folks. That was the sound of Mario Williams on the phone with his agent after being informed his lazy ass had been released. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to lie. I... I know people will argue this point that oh he's a more talented player and you know the Bills didn't get better by making this move. I don't really care. I just if I have to watch him be at the stadium and watch him pull up on another tackle in the running game or watch him just kind of lazily get locked up by a right tackle because the quarterback stepped up and he knows he's not going to get to him. So be it. If I don't have to see that anymore, I'm okay. I'm more than okay with the move.
2: Now he's on the downside of his career. He's thirty-one, so the Dolphins can have fun with that.
1: <laughs> we get some more on that later, but first off, we want to kick off the podcast real quick. We want to wrap up. So last week we did the NFL Combine preview. I took a look at some of the names, you know, some of the guys I was trying to keep an eye on, and you know, obviously it's a busy weekend. But I, I just had some observations. You know, I, I watched some of the coverage, reviewed some of the workouts, read the reviews, and I just wanted to you know go over some of my thoughts. About each, you know, some of the most position, I guess, important position groups to the Buffalo Bills going into this draft. The first one we'll talk about is quarterback. This group, I eh, pretty much did what everyone thought they would. There's no major shakeups in the packing order, other than Paxton Lynch looked really good. He looked really good. I like that. But the first guy I took real note of was Dak Prescott. Now I was impressed because his deep accuracy was better than I think anybody gave him credit for. But his mid-range accuracy, I mean, it's still where it was. It still needs a little bit of work, which means he's never going to make it as a top-tier prospect. He is kind of building a case for himself to move up people's draft boards, though, which kind of sucks because I felt like he might be a perfect kind of developmental prospect for the Bills if we could snag him in the fourth or fifth round somewhere. I mean, I feel like he's got all the physical tools to run a Greg Roman offense as long as his development comes along properly.
2: Well, I sent you that text message today. Uh... Greg or uh, Joe Biscaglia had said that Dak Prescott is coming here for an official visit.
1: Well, it doesn't shock me. I mean, any team, any team that knows it's not going to get a shot at the top, you know, two or three guys in the draft, as far as quarterback is concerned, is going to want to take a look at Dak Prescott because he's the kind of guy who has the head for the game. He's got the leader. He, he's got all the intangibles. You just need to, you know. He's not going to be a day-two guy. He's going to be a guy who, I mean, he could be, but I I feel like that would be a reach. I feel like he's that guy who goes third, fourth round that some team just falls in love with and takes him. And then he rides pine, and you just hope he can learn to play the game of football and work on his accuracy issues.
2: Kind of like Chase Daniel signing his $12 million
1: guarantee. I can't believe that Chase Daniel got $12 million guaranteed. That's absurd. The other quarterback I looked at was, of course, Kevin Hogan. Now, I I didn't get to see huge chunks of his workouts, and I tried finding them, but apparently they were so lackluster that NFL.com decided not to, not to really promote footage of them. But by all written accounts, he is exactly who we thought he was, which is kind of sad. I mean, he's got an average to decent arm strength with a delivery that's just crazy, like a weird kind of long windup. They said it makes him look like Tim Tebow. And that's sad to hear because I like the guy, but if he can't throw it at this level, I mean, you can't. People can have the production conversation all day, but look at what happened to Tim Tebow in the NFL. If you can't do it, you can't do it.
2: What's that? uh, The quarterback guru's name is it? Like
1: George Whitfield? Is he working with Whitfield? Yeah, he's been working with different coaches to try to fix his motion, but. I feel like it's if you've made it to this point in your career and you have a throwing motion that's so broken that it warrants its own discussion, you're. I don't know how much you can do to fix that. The next group was linebackers. Now I was disappointed by the fact that Miles Jack didn't work out. I mean that right there just ruined it for me because I really want to see what this kid has because I heard stories about him but because I don't watch a, a lot of Pac-12 football. I didn't get to see him play too often. And then all the bad press coming out about Jalen Smith's knee. I mean, that just completely waters down the talent at the top end of this position group. Smith is starting to sound like a possible Marcus Lattimore. Some teams have come out, some GMs have come out and said that they've taken him off the draft board completely because they don't think he'll ever come back into form after, healing, after his knee heals. Which, it sucks considering it was a dirty hit in a bowl game that absolutely put him in this position.
2: I didn't see that hit, and I don't know what you're talking about because I don't know who Jalen Smith is.
1: <laughs> you, you frustrate me beyond belief. I'm going to open this beer, and I'm going to continue. You're an asshat. So for the Bills' purposes, I, just, I took notes on a couple guys. First off, Reggie Ragland. I knocked him for being slow. And I said that he'd really have to show off his athleticism you know, in order to kind of prove to scouts that he can be more than a two-down linebacker. But I think he – I mean, when you compare him to the rest of the field, I think he more than did that. He had one of the fastest shuttle times and one of the top 40 times of all inside linebackers. It kind of solidifies for me the idea that he might be – he might be valued as a first-round draft pick. You know, he might actually be worth that kind of valuation when you consider the rest of the talent at the position. And then Kentrell Brothers. Now that's a linebacker who, again, faster than expected. And so now scouts are going back and actually are coming out and saying, we got to go back and look at the tape on this guy because we had him pegged as just kind of an edge rusher. It's about it. You know, not a sideline to sideline kind of guy. And now they want to go back and see whether or not maybe they were wrong about him off their first impressions, which, you know, it happens. But it's good to see that this prospect is trending upwards instead of just staying flat or turning in the wrong direction. You know, I feel like if the Bills go defensive end in the first round, a guy like this might be someone you look at in the second round. You see, look, he's a linebacker with a lot of athleticism. You could put him as a, you know, a rover, almost, play inside-outside role. It'll be interesting to see. Defensive line is probably the deepest in this draft, and there was some definite separation made by the top-end prospects from those that just kind of walked away from the whole process with question marks. First off is Kim Dietschy. Okay, now his athletic abilities never were in question. From the very onset of this, everyone knew he is a physical specimen. And he, he was great in the bench press, the long jump, the shuttle drills, everything. He looked fantastic. But so many teams jumped in and just bagged all over him for his lack of maturity and what is being widely characterized as a, just a failure to understand what it takes to be an elite player at the NFL level. I mean, some teams have dropped him to the second round, kind of like what happened to Randy Gregory last year when he tested positive for weed before the combine. Former, you know, he was being touted as a top-ten pick, but then come the draft, he fell all the way to the second day. People are talking about Kim Dichi facing the same kind of a fall, and a lot of it has to do with his interviews. I mean, the guy comes out. <laughs> I mean, the guy comes out in his interview, And when the media is talking to him, I don't know what he said to coaches. None of us know. But what I know is what I heard, and that was him flat out admit that the hotel room was in his name. He he made a mistake in getting drunk. The hotel room was in his name. So when the cops came and found the marijuana that he was eventually arrested for, no one else wanted to step forward and take the blame for it. And since his name was on the hotel room, he took it. Would be fine, except he went on to name drop three of his other teammates who are currently in the draft process, including the first overall, consensus first overall pick, Laramie Tunsil. He was like, "Oh, that guy was there too." You know, I don't know, I ain't smoking that weed, but those guys, you know, they they're smoking that weed. I don't do that, but I took the fall for it. But for some for, for some GMs, some of the, I mean, they they had some harsh words, and of course, it's all anonymous. But one GM went on to say that this guy clearly does not have the person. I have a personality that he wants on his on his team. That's according to NFL.com.
0: What?
2: <laughs> what an idiot! Oh, what a loser!
1: And there was Shaq Lawson. Now I pegged him as a player who wasn't very explosive, or you know, he he was disruptive and he's heavy, a heavy anchor in the running game but i just didn't see enough of him being explosive in the you know limited time i got to watch him on tv to you know see him as an overall you know a consensus you know top level first round pick but the numbers he came away with in the combine were hard to argue with and he cemented himself as a first rounder and he might not be available when we pick in 19 because of his performance at the combine and the guy looks like a warrior and then hassan ridgeway a guy that I'm just personally infatuated with. He just came away looking exactly who I thought he was. This is a nose tackle out of Texas. The guy's size is unmistakable. He's one of the biggest guys at the combine. But even after posting a solid 40 time at five seconds, almost almost flat, he got murdered in the shuttle and cone drills.
2: I play real sports. Not trying to be the best at
0: exercising. <laughs>
1: Considering his conditioning issues and his lack of fluidity to his play, it'll be interesting to see if some team thinks they can get him into shape and tries to take him in round two. Because his value is all over the map. Scouts, according to NFL.com, scouts had him pegged anywhere between the middle of the second round and the top of the fourth. That's a pretty big gap. So I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see whether or not he can do better at a pro day, whether or not some scouts go back to the tape and change their minds. It'll be really interesting to see where Hassan Ridgeway ends up. So with the NFL Combine in the books, all eyes last two weeks have turned towards free agency. Started today at four. The bills have officially, uh, you know, the bills officially entered into their pre free agency period, about a, about two weeks ago. and, you know, there's been a lot of moves made, so I'm just going to try to recap most of them. First off, there was the release of Mario Williams. I mean, we led with it. I alluded to it last, the last show as a foregone conclusion, and all of it turned out to be, you know, all this talk about him coming back as being a complete Wait, I
2: farce. Thought, I thought Rex just said that he would love to have Mario back. Right? Didn't we play that on our podcast?
1: And I'd love to go home to Heidi Klum. (laughs) But at the same time, we all know what's going to happen. Right? Yeah. Right. So all that talk was just talk and the Bills released the veteran pass rusher. Now, Pete Prisco from CBS Sports, for all of you out there who are bagging this move and saying the Bills screwed up and we let a talented player go, Pete Prisco from CBS Sports put together a list of clips just showcasing Mario's complete lack of effort last season. Something, you know, if you were watching every game, you know, especially there at the game without all the TV, you know, the flashy stuff flying around and commercial breaks and things like that. You could see it in front of you. The guy quit on so many plays that I was cursing his name out for most of some of our games. It was incredible. He's
2: just a player that is he's not after Super Bowls. He's after money. Why, Why? when he used a free agent, what, four years ago when we got him? 27 years old, you're in the prime of your career, and you choose to come to Buffalo? When are we even getting
1: into the playoffs? Never. He's just a money chaser. I don't know. I just, there's a reason Houston let him walk. They had J.J. Watt. JJ Watt and Mario Williams, if I could like if you could build a case for it, they are polar opposites as human beings. One of them works as hard as he possibly can at all times, regardless of whether he's getting paid or not. He's all effort. Another guy is sometimes effort, maybe no effort, depending on how he feels that day. They both have the same athletic traits, just one of them decides to just use it all the time and one of them does it whenever it suits him best. I would rather I would rather have a whole team of guys who try hard Than have a bunch of guys who are super athletic and just don't feel like playing. It's bullshit. Yeah, good luck, Miami. All I know is we freed up $12.9 million in cap space in the process. The next step was restructuring of deals. Now, that was another point I touched on. And, you know, I said that the team was likely going to be looking to create some more cap space by, you know, talking to some of our guys about their existing contracts. Charles Clay and Corey Graham had their deals reworked. And that freed up a total of 8.1 million dollars in cap space for this upcoming season, which led to the franchise tagging of Cordy Glenn. He was set to be the second best offensive lineman available in free agency this year. And rather than do what the Ravens did and see you know get into a bidding war with another team and eventually watch their play, their one of their best linemen leave, you know we slapped the non-exclusive free agency tag on him. The price of two first round picks. Nobody's going to try to take that it's just not going to happen which you know creates this bubble it's basically we stuck Cordy Glenn in a bubble because now he's here for the next season he's already signed his tent you know he's already signed the tag and his agent has a long-standing history of getting his tag players signed to long-term contracts I think it's the best move that was available for both the player and the team the player makes sure that even if even if contract negotiations break down horribly He's gonna get paid a ton of money for one season. And then if it does get extended, you know the team looks at it as hey, we just extended our window where no one can screw with us while we're trying to talk to our guy. I think it's a perfect I think it's a perfect marriage here and I think it's hopefully will work out for the best. If they want to if they can get that signed at some point in this offseason, they can actually create some cap room you know, a long-term contract signed before training camp, they can create some cap room that they can make some moves with. The next big move was re-signing, the re-signing of Richie Incognito. Now, <clears throat> Buffalo rumblings, and there were some things being floated around out there in the Buffalo News about, you know, the acrimonious negotiating that was going on between Richie and the Bills. The Bills were finally able to accomplish what was priority 1B of their offseason, you know, by striking a three-year, $15 million deal with the free agent card. This was a huge step towards the continuity of the NFL's number one rushing attack. And considering the price tag, I think that's fair. What I honestly believe happened is that we had a price and he had a price. And we decided to let he and his agent just kind of put some feelers out there during the tampering period to say, hey, why don't you go out there and see what your market's going to be? And there's been some articles circulated by, you know, It it was on, uh, I believe, NFL.com reported it. Buffalo Rumblings reported it. I'm not sure where they sourced it from. Talking about how he took less to stay here in Buffalo. That may paint him in a positive light, but I don't believe he took significantly less. Because I don't think the market for guards is stronger than $5 million a year. I just don't. So I think some team probably offered him half a million dollars more and he realized, well, I'd rather stay with what I know than go someplace else and fall on my face and get cut next year because I'm old.
2: Or you have another dumb situation.
1: Exactly. Here you built some goodwill. So if something happens, you're okay because people believe in you. And then there was some cuts and then some more cuts and then some more cuts. The Bills' roster is going to be missing some familiar faces from last season, you know, as a number of players have been released, or at least they were told that they wouldn't be tendered as restrictive free agents. You should have started this list with Ron Brooks. D- Ron Brooks? I'm sorry. That guy was dead to me the moment the season ended last year. <laughs> we're going to start off with Leotis McKelvin. Now, the former first-rounder was he was painfully average outside of one season of his career. And he was responsible for some of the most soul-crushingly bad plays in recent Bills history. I said on our left. A pair of punt return fumbles. (laughs) A pair of them. Four years, five years apart, only one asshole in a Buffalo Bills jersey would would just be awesome enough to fumble two punts in Foxborough in games that absolutely mattered on primetime TV. You jerk.
2: You jerk. I said it last time we recorded that. I didn't want McKelvin. He's up there in age. He lost his speed. And we got Darby. ever had with speed. It's, we got Darby. And we got Gilmore on the outside. Leotis.
1: McKelvin. Get the hell away from my football team. <laughs> <laughs> this team saved almost $4 million by making that cut. Marquise Gray. I liked him as a project tight end. And he was familiar with Roman's system. But he didn't see the field last year due to injury. And... I guess they just thought he wasn't going to be part of the long-term plan. Booby Dixon, a fan favorite, you know, special teams ace, but he didn't produce enough when he needed to at running back. And at that point, we can't justify a roster spot for that guy. He was a poor man's Marshawn Lynch who couldn't break a tackle.
2: No, his for me, his claim to fame was the game against Kyle Smith's Jets in Detroit. The block punt, whoever he. Just bull rushed, mm-hmm. blocked him like with his left arm, and then stuck out his right arm and blocked the punch. He
1: was always a great spec because he's all effort. The guy's a great special teamer, but on a team, if we have a roster like ours and we've got younger, better, you know, more speed players at running back, hanging on to a guy like Booby Dixon for his three million dollar cap hit just wasn't going to happen. And then Craig Erbick, he again another player who was the epitome of average. But he had a little bit of versatility to him that he could play center or guard, which kept helped him stick to the roster. But guys with his level of talent can be found in the draft or they can sign as some aging vet before training camp. Yeah. For far less than what he was scheduled to make. I, I don't, I don't hate the move. I don't like the move. It's just a move. You know, Craig Urbic was a body. I felt no attachment to him. I don't know. I don't even know what to say about it. Same thing I have to say about it. I don't know. <laughs> then you got the restricted free agents. Now, a trio of guys got to qualifying offers, and all three of them were productive last year. You got Chris Hogan. Now, it's been rumored that given his skill set and you know how much Danny Amendola for the Patriots is currently making, Hogan might be viewed by their franchise as a cheaper replacement for him, and he might be a possible target of theirs You know, if he had been allowed to hit the market. But considering the low tender, it's still a possibility that they make him an offer that we're not willing to match. And because they placed the lowest tender on him, we would get no compensation in return. Corbin Bryant. Now, that's another guy who last year he was extremely productive. I mean, he played after Kyle Williams went down and Carrington went down. He played a big role down the stretch, and he's capable of being useful in our current scheme. I almost feel like putting the base tender they put on him is too little because if some I mean some other team may not like him enough to pay him more than one point six million. But if they did, we get zero compensation back for it. Which scares me because that's part of our depth at a position that we're gonna need bodies. Exactly.
2: Mario's gone. Kyle Williams is up there in age. Corbin Bryant played
1: fantastic after Williams went down. And then Jordan Mills. I mean, this guy was our starter at right tackle down the stretch, and you know he's got a a close relationship with Aaron Cromer. He was part of the Chicago team back when Cromer coached there. Considering how Doug Whaley, I knew this was coming weeks ago because Doug Whaley was on WGR in the morning, referring to him as being part of the camp battle (laughs) for the right tackle position. So not only did I, you know, not only did I know this move was coming, but now I'm starting to wonder if. He's talking about, and maybe it is just GM speak to throw teams off the scent of what we're trying to do come the draft, but I'm almost wondering if they're not content to go into this season with just with just Mills Cujo, Henderson and maybe a depth pickup, maybe some veteran player who might push for a backup job.
2: I wouldn't like that because Cyrus Quancho's awful. And it might it might be because <laughs>
1: he, those are my thoughts on Cyrus Quanju.
2: It might be because he's that bad because he went to Alabama. You shut your mouth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you shut your whore mouth. <laughs> At the end of everything, the Buffalo Bills enter the we, enter the week of free agency. You know, <laughs> going into this now, to, as of today, with four point five million dollars in cap space available and they've got a few more moves that can be made to free up more camp if they need it. I mean, if they really felt like there was a deal that could be there, maybe they go to a guy like Gilmore and they say, listen, we need to push this sooner than we thought we did. We need to get you extended. So they sign. they, they start talking that deal. They get the extension signed with Gilmore. That's going to free up more cap room. I think depending on where he signs, he's worth, I think the, the tag, the fifth year option is going to pay him 11, 11 and change. We could negotiate a deal. I mean, I'm assuming his value is in a fall between 9 and 10. So you might save a million, a million and a half there. And the same thing with Cordy Glein. If you can talk him into accepting, you know, 10, 11 a year, which I think is fair, considering where he is in his career and how he's performed. If you can get him on a long-term deal for 10, 11 a year, you're going to free up another 2 million. So we could potentially find our way at 7 million by the time the draft rolls around. I don't think they're going to be making any, you know, like like Doug Whaley said, there's no big splashes coming. We're not going out and doing anything significant. But I do think that they're going to be looking out there, you know, into the free agent market once this initial wave kind of ebbs and then falls off, you know, crescendos and then falls off. There's going to be some smaller moves here and there and some veteran pickups that might end up bearing some significant fruit for this team. That, my friends, brings us into free agency. Now, it started, as Chris said, it started as of 4 p.m. this afternoon.
0: The amount of money I'm going to be
2: making would hurt your parents' feelings.
1: There have already been some fireworks. I mean, first off, Mario Williams signing with Miami. Two years, $16 million in total. It's a lot of money to throw at a guy who's 31 years old coming off a five-sack season in which he got lazy and quit on our team. I would be terrified to give a guy like that $8 million a year because, yeah, he, he'll be there for the first four weeks while everything's going well. And if the wheels fall off and he loses motivation to continue trying his hardest, you're in a lot of trouble because you've got $8 million tied up in a guy who's going to play like someone who should be making three. Then the Dolphins go ahead and trade, f- you know, Byron Max. Well, the Dolphins trade for Byron Maxwell and Kiko Alonso. Okay. And in the process, swap with the Eagles their first round picks. Now, so they fall from they go from eight to thirteen to thirteen. Now, last night I was on the phone with a buddy of mine talking about.
2: Now you're going to get it, Bobby.
1: (laughs) He's a Dolphins fan, and he and I were going back and forth about this trade. He thinks it's a great idea. He thinks he he's loving every. He's one of those diehard, you know the <laughs> lunatic fringe dolphins fans that does he doesn't see the forest for the trees the way i look at it is this if you were the miami dolphins you lost okay you <laughs> in what was one of the deepest drafts at the defensive line and defensive you know it is the defensive line as a whole you instead went out and soaked 16 million dollars of your existing cap into an aging free agent who has been up and down in his production throughout the years you know, the last couple years he's been solid. Then he was hurt. Then he, his effort's always been questionable. Then you let your young player walk. You let the young, you take your transition tag off of the younger, the younger player who still has a lot of ceiling left to find. Signed with the Giants. <laughs> you decide you're going to keep Cameron Wake, another guy who's coming off probably the only significant injury he's ever had. But un- again, another guy costing you $9 million who's getting up there in age. And then you, and that's all well and good, you know, depending on what you're giving up in return. But the fact is, your team still needs a cornerback. Your, your team needs linebackers. Your team needs safeties. You traded out of the one position that you had in the draft in order to address though any of those needs. Miles, Jack, Vernon Hargraves, you know, some of the top end prospects at those two positions. They're not going to be there anymore when you pick. Not at thirteen, unless something, unless something. Unprecedented happens and the teams that I've heard are interested in these players decide to pass on all of them. You know, some giant run on defensive tackles, if that's what the case is. The fact is, is I think their GM is wants to win now and is willing to sacrifice the big picture in order to do it, and ultimately I think it's gonna screw their franchise. You blew it. Speaking of the Eagles making trades, DeMarco Murray got traded to Tennessee. Four years, you know, he renegotiated a four-year, four-year deal, thirty-three million with twelve and a half guaranteed. Then they signed. Then the Eagles go on to sign Leotis McKelvin, do a two-year deal. They signed Nigel Bradham, and then the Eagles signed Greg's favorite player, Ron Brooks. That
2: would be Greg Turnalone, friend of the show, <laughs> our favorite player, Ron Brooks.
1: Somebody tell me what the fuck is going on in Philly. Human sacrifice,
0: dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria.
1: I've seen cleanouts before, but this is ridiculous. They're literally getting rid of anybody who had anything to do with Chip Kelly, like a bitter ex-girlfriend. And apparently, the one game we played against them last season gave them a, just a raging hard-on for former Bills players. <laughs> the idea itself is laughable. But I'm I'm watching it happen. I, I don't even know how else to describe it. Then you got some other moves around the league. You know, I, I touched on it earlier. Uh, Kalechi, I believe you pronounce his name, Assembly, You know, from the Ravens, he's going to sign with Oakland. And based on the contract they gave him, you know, five years, big money. He's looking at being their starting left tackle, which means Donald Penn is probably still out there looking for a job. Tennessee making another move, signing the center from the Texans, Ben Jones. That's kind of a coup. You know, in another interdivision, you've got a big free agent. You know, one of, the st- one of the steadiest players on the Texans' offensive line last season is now going to be right in front of Mariota, kind of making sure he doesn't see that A gap pressure. That's huge. Also, Olivier Vernon, Janoris Jenkins, and Damon Harrison are all going to the Giants on sizable deals. The Giants came into today and they had a bunch of cap room. And they knew what they wanted to accomplish with it, and I think they I think they did well for themselves. They figured out their defensive line. They brought back Jason Pierre-Paul. You know, they, their defensive line is now set. And they brought back a cornerback. You know, Prince Mukamara, They drafted him high. He didn't perform well enough. Janoris Jenkins has proved that he's a far better player. And so, rather than give him a deal, they bring in a guy from out of town. You know, who's definitely going to make their secondary better. Malik Jackson, you know, he goes to the Jags with a massive deal. The Jags also bring in safety Tayshaun Gibson. And actually, there was a really funny moment earlier today when ESPN and you know NFL Live, <laughs> they, they read a tweet from a fake Jay Glazer account and decided to spend at least five minutes of their show just going off about Olivier Vernon signing with the Jaguars about how it was the one move that was going to make them prominent again. You know, oh, hey, they, 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 that's how you know this team is serious. That's how you know they're for real. Just all of the posturing only to find out that they've been had. <laughs> it's hysterical for anyone who's just a fan of this entire process. Speaking of Tayshaun Gibson leaving the Browns, how about this? Tayshon Gibson, the, you know, the, one of the few defensive players of note on that roster. He leaves. Alex Mack is signing with the Falcons. The terms haven't yet been disclosed. Mitchell Schwartz. Mitchell Schwartz is a hysterical situation because he was a second-round pick. He played his ass off for them. He was one of the best, one of the better offensive linemen in the league last year. He goes into negotiation with the Browns. They make him a deal. And then... He doesn't sign it. He kind of, you know, his agent wants to test the water, see what else is out there. So the Browns, whoever's running their front office, the, the idiot behind this organization decides that it's a good idea to pull their offer off the table and show Mitch Schwartz that we mean business. You know, this is what you're worth and blah, blah, blah. You'll come crawling back to us. Except he went and signed a deal with the chiefs immediately afterwards. (laughs) Now, at this point the Browns are clearly playing for next year's number 1 pick. You have no center, you have no you lost your stud center, you lost your stud guard. Yeah, you lost your stud safety. Your defense wasn't all that great to begin with and your offensive line was shaky at best. You have no running back talent. You have zero talent at the quarterback position right now. It was rumored before that Joe Thomas would demand a trade based on how their coaching search went. But now that he's lost both his center and his guard and pretty much all of the talent that was on their roster to begin with, I wonder if he's considering greener pastures.
0: <laughs> really? <laughs> Can
2: you feel the tension in the air right now? The website walterfootball.com. Do you have have you ever been there? I live there. You live there. 2017 NFL mock draft. They have Cleveland number 2 getting <laughs> Miles Garrett defensive end Texas A&M. <laughs> They have Chicago at one with Deshaun Watson, because you were talking about 2017 draft.
1: Yeah, yeah, I honestly, I I mean, what is what's Cleveland doing? Who's running their front office?
2: Is it, is it Ray Farmer? Is he still there, or do they fire <laughs> him?
1: He's too busy texting. He doesn't know it. He does, he's, he's too busy texting. He's texting the coaches. He's texting the coaches. <laughs> he's not texting free agents or his own players. He's texting the coaches. <laughs> it almost seems like the Steelers GM is the person running the Cleveland Browns organization. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was a clip. I hate to keep bagging on the Browns, but there was a there was a montage. You that cannot ESPN, do it enough. ESPN put together this montage after they lost their Monday Night Football game to the <laughs> after they lost that Monday Night Football game. To the, um, they lost it to the Ravens on a blocked field goal that got run back for a touchdown. They had the game. They had the game won, and it's like this is just like the insurance field goal. And instead, he ends up getting run back for the game-winning score. And so they were like, let's recap all of the way the Browns have lost, like just soul-crushingly lost football games. And you know what it made me realize. For as snick bit as we may seem as the Buffalo Bills, the Browns have taken it in the shorts again and again and again. And the worst part is those aren't even those aren't even Super Bowls. Because when you lose a Super Bowl in a bad fashion, okay. But that's the end. And then you get six months to forget about it. Yeah, the, like the the, the, the sting miss, wears off.
2: You you miss a forty seven yard field goal and then you're back up running back appears in a documentary on ESPN and says that that ball went wide right because of a helicopter hovering over the field at the 20 yard line.
1: Thanks Kenny Davis. Kenny, you know, Bobby April was dying. <laughs> yeah, he was dying. So, but but in reality, like there was a, there was one play where the Browns had a game against the Chiefs won. They had it won. It was a, it was a 48-yard almost 49-yard field goal you know to win the game. In the dying seconds, you know, it's a tough field goal, especially when you ice the kicker. And then what happens? There's not enough men on the field. So the coach calls a second timeout and gets flagged. <laughs> he gets a 15-yard on sportsman-like conduct for calling back-to-back timeouts. And that 49-yard field goal becomes like a 34-yarder. And the guy just slams it, right? And he, and they, they, they kick the kick, and the guy missed it but no one none of the fans so the, the whole they show the whole brown stadium just going insane because we won a game we won a game against the chiefs who're supposed to be good and then the flags come flying in and none of them realize their coach just called a second timeout in a row and gets flagged for unsportsmanlike conduct for calling a timeout when he didn't have one or well, what about the, the- like I don't remember what year it was. <laughs> they go was... on to win. Hang on, but they go on to win the game. And just looking at the faces of the fans, having to like walk, like just in disbelief at what they're seeing, it made me realize that we may be the Buffalo Bills, but at least we aren't the sh- <laughs> at least we aren't the Cleveland Browns, the mis- the city known as the mistake on the lake.
2: There was that one. It was an opening day game. It might have been against Kansas City, where uh, Kansas City had the ball. Just past midfield, and they were going to throw a Hail Mary, and whoever their quarterback was got sacked, and a linebacker from the Browns sacked him, got up, threw his helmet, and got flagged for taking his helmet off on the field. 15 yards,
1: Chiefs kick a field goal, win the game. That, oh, no, it's <laughs> happened. They've lost games in every just awful, every awful situation you can— Imagine. So I can't wait to see what happens when we play them this year. I don't even know who the roster is, that is a home be. Game? Is that a home no, game? No, I think it's in Cleveland. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> let's go.
2: I won't be married then. Let's go. All
1: right. Sorry about my rambling here, but uh, let's get back to the uh, free agency. Danny Trevathan. That was a name that got kicked around a little bit, and I thought maybe the Bills might have some interest, but he signed with the Bears. You know, it's a it's a team that needs, needs desperately needs linebackers. And then... The most frustrating move of the day for me. Now, last night when I sent this podcast, you know, the write-up to Chris to just, t- you know, my bullet points just to take a look at so he could familiarize himself with what I was about to, s- you know, what I was about to say. <laughs> Issa Abdul-Kadus. This is a player safety for the Detroit Lions last year. I noticed him first in that Monday night football game against the Green Bay Packers when he had to come in for injury. He's not a name. He's not a household name. But Jesus Christ, I wanted this guy. And I'm like, no one knows who he is. It's a sneaky, you know. It's a sneaky pickup. He probably won't cost that much. And you know, we could get him and put him into the mix. He's he, he's way better than anything I saw from uh, Duke Williams. He would be a solid depth option, depth option impossible starter to add at the safety position. Don't the Dolphins pick him up on the first day of free agency? Bullshit. Bullshit. I call shenanigans. They've got my phones tapped. I just think I really need to get into this GM business. That
2: would be Tampa Bay that has their phone <laughs> tapped.
1: Now, when you look at who else is out there and when you consider how many different directions all of these you know, players and all of these things may go, I've got some thoughts on guys that I think the Bills should target with what's left of their money. Come on, sweetie. Now, don't be a bitch. Let's talk some numbers here. First guy is Bakari Rambo. Now I've showered this guy with praise at times for his play last year. And while he isn't talented enough to be, an, you know, an every snap starter at the NFL level, I think as a, just a strong safety in the box, he brings just invaluable depth to our roster. I think the way he was utilized last year is perfect. I liked what he brought to games. I didn't like when he got put in as a starter, he was badly exposed because he's not the best in you know zone coverage on the deep end of the field. But in the box, he's got good instincts, and I just like his ability to attack the football. Yeah, I, I think he should have absolutely been tendered, but it's not out of the question that the Bills could come to an agreement with him later in free agency.
2: I'm a little – Disappointed they haven't given anything to Rambo because I feel that when Rambo got time on the field, he took full advantage
1: of his time on the field. No, he he did. He made plays. Think about the New York Jets game. We don't win that game without Bakari Rambo. Bakari Rambo made his presence known in that game. I feel like the team needs to do what they can to bring try to bring that guy back. I understand they want they had bigger priorities. But now's the time when you talk to a guy like that and say, listen, you were good for me last year, and if I can bring you back and get similar production, yeah, we're not going to pay you $3 million a year because you're not worth that. But if you want to keep, you know, and maybe they're giving him time to realize that before coming back to him with an offer. offer. But I think that he deserves to be on this Bills roster. Ty Powell's another guy. You know, we talked about, in the offseason, we talked about Ty Powell as being a threat to crack the starting lineup. And then he tears his ACL in the preseason. Yeah, he, again, he's a guy that I think because of his injury, sh- he should have been tendered, but because of his injury, it didn't happen. But because of that injury, I I think it's unlikely that other teams are going to pay a significant amount for Ty Powell. I mean, other scouts and things aren't looking at Ty Powell right now. <laughs> so I think before training camp, you'll see him back on our roster. You know, you're getting a guy back who's familiar with our schemes. He's been to our camp before. He'll probably take league minimum to come back and try to make Make the team. Jari Evans is a name. Now, he's been here. And maybe that was just a mind game from the Bills. You know, they're, they're like, okay, well, we'll show Richie that we're not afraid to go in a different direction if he doesn't sign. But I almost feel like it would, wouldn't be the worst idea, especially with Alex Boone off the market now. It wouldn't be the worst idea to see if we can't upgrade that guard position. We drafted John Miller last year. And while he didn't play terrible, he wasn't excellent at any one thing.
2: But he's better than Craig Urbic.
1: He's definitely better than Craig Urbic. So, although, I don't know, because down the stretch, Craig Urbic really kind of stabilized that position. You know, he, there's a reason he didn't, John Miller didn't get put back in the starting lineup. I mean, he had that injury, but I think that John Miller had, he's, he's rougher, he's rawer than they gave him credit for, and they weren't prepared for that. I think that, If you give him time, he might become an adequate guard. He may never be great. And at this point, if we can get, depending on how the market plays out, Jari Evans, he's on the downside of his career. He's, you know, Saints fans will tell you he's a shell of his former self. But he could be a useful contingency in the event that, you know, Miller continues to struggle. As a depth option, I think we could do a lot worse than Jari Evans. Then, you know, I look to the defensive side of the ball. Rolando McClain. Now, it's being rumored by pretty much everybody that he you know he wants to come back to the Cowboys and the Cowboys want him back. But if we could land him, I feel like he'd be a solid veteran presence at a position of weakness. You know, I think last season taught our team a lot. You cannot just ignore the linebacker position because when injuries come— They come quick and they come in just an onslaught because the guys that you're bringing in probably aren't as experienced. So they're not going to be able to perform as well or avoid injury as well as more veteran or more talented players.
2: What percentage of this of you wanting Rolando McLean is based off of that? He went to Alabama.
1: Not much. Literally Literally
2: 90 percent,
1: literally 15 percent of me thinks it's because I, you know, because I really want a Rolando McClain jersey. (laughs) I do. I do. Because I had a I have a Rolando McLean T-shirt from Alabama. So I'd like a Bill's jersey with his name on it. But at the same time, the other, you know, what, 85 percent is just because he's a solid. He's a solid football player when he's healthy. So I think that that might be a guy, depending on where the market prices him and you know what he decides to do, that's another name I wouldn't mind seeing on a roster because I know he wouldn't cost more than what we can afford. Zach Brown is a guy I've talked about a couple times. I talked about him over on the uh, AFC East Bros podcast. I've talked about him here. He is one of the best pursuit linebackers out there. You know he's good at chasing. I and if in free agency he's ranked so low that some people don't even know his name. But when you watch and and the Titans never trusted him. They never you know they didn't. They drafted him in the second round, and then he just never quite clicked with their scheme. But he has the speed. He has the athleticism to play linebacker. He just came from a different system. And it took him so long to blend in with what Tennessee was trying to do. They stopped trusting him, and he was basically a nobody there. Well, what, how does his, his skill set fit in with
2: what Rex and Rob and that other guy, Dennis? He's a more athletic Preston
1: Brown. So if you have a guy like him as your third linebacker, I'd be okay with that. He's a guy who's athletic enough that you could maybe move him outside if you if you have enough defensive end presence to occupy blockers. You can use him in blitz schemes because he's athletic enough to make that blitz up the a gap or make that blitz around the corner. The thing is, is that he doesn't he's slow to diagnose a play, and I think that's the thing that's killed him. Whereas if you put him in a scheme where our defensive line is going to eat up those blockers and free him up to just make plays, he could be in line for some you know significant playing time. And he could be a cheap option that we pick up, before, you know, after the draft when everyone drafts linebackers. We could grab Zach Brown and maybe not have to spend four or five million dollars on another linebacker. Similarly to him, you know, Paul Sol, uh, I think it's Solei. That's how I've always pronounced it. Former Dolphin, former Falcon. He was just released today by the Falcons. Now, he, this guy, he's a veteran defensive lineman. But if he has anything left in the tank at all, he might be a solid depth option to add to this line because he's played in both a 4-3 and a 3-4 as a nose tackle. They might like that versatility. You know, but he, he might be another veteran guy, kind of like when we signed Manny Lawson for not much. Uh, he might be another guy that you can bring in for even less that might end up playing significant snaps for your defense. Even if it's just, I mean, his pass rush brings nothing to the table, but at this point, we're just looking for bodies to clog up lanes. If you can bring him in as depth, that'd be a perfect move for this front office. Then I got Rashad Johnson. Now, he's a safety out of Arizona. He got stuck behind a bunch of more talented athletes at safety for the Cardinals for the last two seasons. He's a solid all-around player and depending on how long he's in the market for, you know, if he doesn't get signed in the next 2 weeks, I'm sure his asking price is going to come way down and he might be a look, you know, to kind of bolster our secondary depth. I never heard of half of these guys. Well, that's because you only watch Buffalo sports, Chris.
2: Yeah, I'm more Sabres than Bills. I just like the idea of recording you talking about football.
1: <laughs> you also don't watch college football. I'll watch Auburn. God damn you. Or Canadian football. That's fun to watch. Go Eskimos. Or <laughs> arena football. If the, you can find it. The Saskatchewan Rough <laughs> <laughs> Oh. But moving on, David Bruton, another name. Now, he was a solid special teamer for the Broncos. But then down the stretch, when he got a chance to make plays as a starter, he made them. You know, that's another guy who he's not on everybody's radar. But depending on how long free agency goes on for guys, you know, with their asking prices start to waver a little bit. And again, as long as the market doesn't drive his price up, he might be another guy that the bills could look to gain. He's a hitter. You know, he wouldn't be your deep safety. He would play more of an in the box role. But if I feel like we need another one of those guys. Because it wasn't the deep ball that killed us. I mean, two games, I can remember that we got torched on it. What it was was it was the stuff in the box. We need a guy who's willing to be an enforcer in there. And if we can get one on the cheap, I'm willing to take options. You know, I'm willing to gamble with $2 million, $3 million a year if it gets me that. And then there's Percy Harvin. <laughs> Everyone likes to forget about Percy Harvin. But he's still out there. And in an interview this week with Bleacher Report, Tyrod Taylor indicated that he's kept in touch with Percy Harvin this entire season and throughout this entire process, and that Percy thinks that if his health is where it needs to be, he certainly wants to continue to play. But at the same time, so all this talk about him contemplating retirement more or less revolves around if he doesn't think he's healthy enough to play, he just doesn't want to do it anymore then. Now, considering all the risks and the fact that we're the only team with inside knowledge on him. He could be another guy that signs here on the cheap just because he wants to keep playing and prove that he still has it who wouldn't cost us all that much. You're, you know, At that point, it's not such a boomer bust signing because the downside to the bills is minimal if you bring him back on what's a considered a reasonable deal for a guy who has just never been able to stay healthy. The last name on my list, again, a guy that few people think of when you think of free agents, guys who are available out there in the market. Alden Smith. Yeah, Mister, I'm gonna Mister, I'm gonna what? threaten to blow up an airport. Alden Smith is what's his suspension status? Well, there it is. He's it's still up in the air, and so right now he's he's toxic. No one wants to even talk to him because they don't know what his status is. But I'll tell you this: if he applies for and he wouldn't be able to play until the middle of the season, even if he is reinstated, he's going to get suspended for at least half of next season. But nobody loves a reclamation project more than Rex Ryan. Who, who re-
2: we who have we had in that same field? Incognito,
1: Percy Harvin. Many, He's been a locker room problem. How many players has Rex Ryan given second chances to? And Polly. Yep, and Polly. He loves to take guys who he thinks has talent and give them another shot. He likes, and I think a lot of it has to do with who Rex Ryan is as a person, because he's a guy who's never been the straightest arrow in the entire world. Yeah, <laughs> that is true,
0: so, and that
2: might be a good signing because we do play San Francisco this year. So if he is on our roster,
1: he will be a captain for that game. I'll tell you this: if Alden Smith gets reinstated by the NFL, his suspension is still going to hold. But any yep. team signing him, and four, most of them would want to take four them. or six games, and if anything. This would be a perfect location for him because how many guys can he talk to who have been here who can be like, listen, if you fly right and you stick by the letter of the law, Rex Ryan will be your best friend. This team will have your back. You're going to you're going to be walking into a room of understanding instead of, hey, we're going to watch you and scrutinize every move you make because we're terrified you're going to screw up again. You're going to walk into a room full of guys who can tell you this is the coach that gives second
0: chances. You
2: can screw up a lot on Chippewa Street, right? Well, and that's the thing. It's hard to get in trouble in Buffalo, New York. It, what's his suspension? Is it going to be four or, or four or six, eight games? I think it's eight games. Eight games, and so then, then he'd he'll be
1: suspended for, until November. And then we'll appeal, and then he will get. Re- oh no, no, re- reduced no! no, no. It's, two. it's already on his suspension. <laughs> has nothing to do with him being a free agent. He got released, so his suspension is still on the books. So if he gets reinstated this year, he still has to serve that you know, half a season suspension. But I think any team signing him to a two three year deal now would be getting first round talent at just a bargain basement price, and I think that you know Rex has made no bones about it. He he's willing to give any. He's willing if you can show him enough in a meeting, or in, you know if you can get together with the coaching staff and just show them that you deserve a second chance. He's more than willing to give it to you. And I think that if there was anybody out there who I would want to see get a second chance on this roster, I mean, if Greg Hardy got a second chance for all that heinous shit he did yep. and he got a second chance with the Cowboys, why can't we give Alden Smith a second chance?
2: Yep. Everybody gets a second. Even Richie. That, hey, Richie fondling people at golf
1: tournaments. and Well, come on. Who hasn't fondled somebody? To, I mean, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I, I didn't say that. When do you go to golf tournaments? Depends on if the beer is free or not, my friend. <laughs> so what do you guys think, huh? All you guys out there listening to me just ramble about this nonsense. What do you th- who, who do you think the bills should pick up over the course of the next three, four months? Or what moves do you think that we still have to make in order to solidify this roster? You know we got another show coming up in two weeks. Why don't you guys take this time and let us know what you think? You know You can get a hold of us via Twitter at the rockpile at, at Rock Report. Or via Gmail at the Rockpile Report seven one six at gmail dot com. The best responses we get are going to get read during our next podcast. It's been a lot of fun, guys, but we got to get out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger, and this has been the Rockpile Report.